The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, loyal listeners and Manofanos alike. Welcome to episode 152 of the Golden Mike Podcast. Daniel the Mano is me, the noise of the North. I am recorded in the sunshine state it is. And time for some audio sunshine is now. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that happens when it does. Today's episode is presented by Tommy's, raise your drink or your slice of cake, and let's tip our hats to Tommy's celebrating 40 years of awesome all year long since 1981 all the way till today in the year 2021, the number one concern of anybody working at or representing Tommy's was to make sure Every moment you spent on the water with your friends and your family was done as hassle-free and fun as you wanted. Well, that gives you the ability to focus on lifelong lasting memories. All right, listen up. Malibu Boats, Axis, Cobalt Boats, and Tahoe Pontoons, along with all the accessories from brands like Hyperlite, Ronix, Phase 5, so many more all across the country. Tommy's offers the free Tommy's surf tour all throughout the boating season, offering a wake surfing experience like no other. They've got it all, my friends. They pride themselves on having the most passionate teams at any of their stores and out on the lake with you. If you like working with extremely skilled and passionate individuals about towed water sports, the team at Tommy's is committed to getting you, your friends, and family out on the water. www.gettommies.com. It's been that website for like 20-some years. That's where you guys can check out everything you need to know that'll direct you to the Tommy's location nearest you. Once again, gettommies.com, y'all. So I am very excited about today's show, episode 152, and part two of this we'll call Double Album with the founders of Tommy's Slalom Shop, the man himself, Tommy Phillips. But before I do get to it, I would like to get a little love going for my biggest supporter of the show, and I'm talking to you. Yep, you, the listener all of you listeners. It's literally because of all of you that since 2013, I've been lucky enough 
to be able to deliver this, the Golden Mike podcast, on a pretty semi-consistent basis. Guys and gals, listen up. I need you now more than ever. Please help spread the word about this podcast or even any of the other multiple new audio podcasts about toad water sports popping up all the time. It's insane. Have you heard the Peacock Brothers, Tom Fouché and the Liquid Force crew, uh, even a new water ski show? They're all starting to pop up, and it's for the greatness of our sport. But please remember, no matter where you listen, whether it's here on Apple Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, the multiple applications available on Android devices or your old school like me and you just listen online at www.noiseofthenorth.com. Spread the word and share the episodes. Go back, listen to the archives, and rock out. They've almost all been on the show, and I'm talking about the who's who of the what's what, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll give you a clue. The Toad Water Sports industry, my friends. And if they haven't been on this show, let me know and I'll get them. Feel free to email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Or if you're already following the show on Facebook or me personally on Instagram at danotmano, you can message me there. I always love reviews on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Probably my favorite thing, so if you haven't yet, please head over there. And do that. So let's talk about our guest today making his second appearance in a row on this two part, this double album. Tommy Phillips is back, everyone. And I know y'all have been waiting for this one to drop after listening to episode one of this series or episode 151 of this podcast. You know, Tommy is obviously a dude with a lot of personality. And in this episode, We start off talking about how he was really able to let that shine through, especially in his Florida location. Things were definitely getting a little more rigid and corporate up in Colorado, and it sounds like his shop down south in Florida really kept him grounded. I mean, guitars, surfboards, water skiing. We talk about that along with how Tommy linked up with Malibu Boats, And Tommy tells us about when it was time to hang it all up and how the new team over at Tommy's came to fruition and why Matt Borsch and his team were the only right choice for taking Tommy's slalom shops into the future. And trust me, there were others in the mix. Tommy talks pretty open about it later in the show. Tommy's now spans the entire U.S. with six full locations, and Tommy Phillips tells us how he feels seeing what he started not only still being recognized as an industry leader, but growing by leaps and bounds, or should I say double flips and 1080s. Enjoy it, folks. Here it is. It's episode 152 of the Golden Mike podcast. My guest, Tommy Phillips. Oh, yeah. When it comes to Tommy's in Florida on all those years, you know, 95 till you know, 2005, till 10, 2000, year run. 10 year run down in, in, in South Florida. Um, you know, your 32 year run, um, you know, pre-selling, um, the, the shop, what were the differences between the two shops? I mean, you're a man of so much personality, but it, I, I, I almost feel from the way you're talking about it, both shops had their own personality. Both shops were completely different. Once we started selling boats in Colorado, 
I couldn't just come to work in flip-flops and a pair of blue jean shorts and a white T-shirt anymore, you know, primitive stuff. I had to, because we were dealing with people who were spending a lot of money. So we had to hire salesmen, and I required them to dress a little nicer than I dressed. And, um, and the shop was more focused. Once we started selling boats, that had to require more floor space, a service department, a, a parts counter. We had to reel in the spontaneous creativity in exchange for order and less chaos. For Florida, I could just step on the gas and go. Didn't matter if I blew up. I was selling so much stuff down there so quick, and we had created such a cult following. And, I mean, Florida, you could go there and there'd be three guys playing guitars on the bench out in front of the store. There'd be two guys in, inside, you know, pulling down surfboards and looking at the rails and looking at fins. There was such a collage of difference. And I actually probably loved the Florida store more at that time. I didn't have the burdens of boats until we switched from uh, Mastercraft to Malibu. Then I sold a few boats out of the Florida store. I, and, and, you know, Dan, oh, man, when the surf's good, dude, you know, I could tell Nora, Nora, you watch the front for me. I'm, you know, I could go out and catch the best waves for an hour and a half. How do you, you know, how do you put a price on that? Would I rather do that or would I rather sell two more boats with a set of brown slacks on and my shirt tucked in in Denver pretending I'm not weird? Let's talk a little bit about um, something you just touched on there. And I'm, I'm talking about the, the relationship with Tommy's and Malibu boats. Now, in 2021, when you think of the shop Tommy's, Malibu just comes mm -hmm. to mind no matter what. I mean, the success they've had, the awards they've won together. Yes. Um, you, you were there. Mm -hmm. uh, you spent many years with another manufacturer, but... I made the decision to go with Malibu. You ultimately made the decision... Yes to swap manufacturers and move forward with Malibu through the end of, of, of your run yes. and, you know, at, at the steering wheel of, of, of your shop as it was. Talk a little bit about the brand change and, and how that all came about and why that came about and why it was the right thing to do in the right time to do it. Well, I'm going to be completely honest here and tell you exactly how it happened because I don't really care anymore. They can't fire me. So um, I was pretty influential with Mastercraft, even though I wasn't a very big dealer. But I was losing sales on the bottom end. I had a small dealership. I, I, I didn't have deep pockets. I had to make all the money I had to spend every year. And I, and I went to the president, by, and I don't want to name names, but I begged him. I said, guys, I need a 35 and a 45 and a $55,000 boat. And here you guys are coming out with these 28-footers. I said, I ha there's nobody in Colorado going to buy this 28-foot boat at this particular time. I need this other stuff that I'm losing sales. And basically, they just kind of closed their ears to me. Well, lo and behold, a short time later, I get a call from a Malibu rep, Mark Gibbs to be exact, and he says, hey, we're really frustrated in Colorado with the dealer here, and, and I won't go into that as a guy I had a rough and rocky relationship with that I wish well and I pray for him. But would you be interested in taking the Malibu line? And I said, man, I bleed Mastercraft. I said, you're going to have to prove to me you have a better boat than Mastercraft. 
So he goes, we're going we're gonna to do that. And they flew me to Lake Tahoe, and I had a chip on my shoulder. And they said, there ain't any way in hell their boats are going to come close because, you know, all the training I had. I knew how the stringers, the everything in the boat. I knew everything about it. Well, I went out by myself in those boats, and when I made the first left turn and my cheeks started spreading on my face, I went, holy smokes. And as I'm driving this boat, and it's quiet as it can be, and the hand stitching and everything, and then I go back and sit with Paul Singer, who I just immediately bonded with. Paul and I knew each other, right. and we'd always shake hands. Hey, what's going on, dude, and all and that. Paul at the time was the president, I'm guessing. He was, he was kind of the national sales oh, manager, gosh. head of marketing, guru, sales trainer, all the above. We hit it off, and we sat down, and, and we started crunching numbers, and I'm going, man, I'm going to make a bunch more money if I go with Malibu. And I got this guy here that reminds me of Herb O'Brien, uh, who's connected to the hip with Bob Alkema, who's the same way. And I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I told people in my inner circle, and I made, made the move. And at first, it wasn't going to be a switch. I was going to carry both. I just said, well, hey, my argument's going to be, they're going to go three miles away to the other shop, and they're going to try Mastercraft down there, you know, if they get the dealership or somebody. The customer's going to make his mind up. Right. Anyway, why don't I just sell everything? Sure. I worked at a shop that sold both. So. Yeah, it's, it's no big deal to me because I had a ski school. We taught everybody we sold a boat too. We taught everybody that bought anything from the boat show. I mean, you're brand loyal, but at the end of the day, you're at this point in life, when you own a marine store, your loyalty is loyalty, and that's a it's a beautiful thing. But you are also in the business to make money and sell boats. Make money. So I wanted both, but I really angered Mastercraft when I took on Malibu, and so they took that away from me and gave it to the other gentleman I mentioned earlier. Well, I mean, and, and that'll happen, but It'll you know, happen. the years have moved on, and the beautiful thing about our industry is I feel like, uh, you know, it, it's about fun, and a lot of times I think that we're all, uh, I, the amount of times we've been able to, you know, yeah, patch things over, ice it over, let no, it, we're all know, buddies now. You know, we're all good buddies now. I mean, uh, John Dorton that was working with him, he's one of my very closest friends. I go fishing with him. We call each other all the time. Well, so. and you look at, and, and what's so crazy now, and anybody who's like a little deeper into the industry who yeah. listens to this show will know, like, uh, you know, a lot of these guys that you just mentioned, you know, Paul Singer was, you know, with Malibu at one time. Now he's, you know, Centurion of over, over there at Centurion. So, uh, positions change, people change, yes, right? And uh, it's just it's it's about being positive and whatnot. But I want to um, I want to touch back a little bit on 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 Tommy's and just as far as like the shops go, between the ten years down in Florida and your time, mm -hmm. you know, thirty two years in Colorado pre um, pre pre selling um, to the new owners of the of the shop. Mm -hmm. Any moment, time, day event something that really stands out that that uh, to you you know is one of those stamps what tommy's was why it is what it is even today well you know i'm really proud about everything they're doing now and you know my mission which our mission statement was a collective it wasn't just me 
I pulled everybody in the room and said, well, how, what do you guys want to be? Do you want to be a pretty good store? You want to be an okay store? Do you want to be? And everybody raised, he said, we want to be the best blanking store in the world. And I said, that's what I want to be. And that's why I wanted every single piece. I wanted the ski school. I wanted to do events. I wanted to involve wakeboarding and snowboarding, which we did the first event in Colorado that. I wanted to be this creative machine to where everybody that came into my building could feel this stoke. Every employee would walk hot coals for us because they believed in it. And that's why in the mornings we all skied together. We'd leave at 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. We'd go take two runs apiece on different, and we'd talk while we're drying ourselves off in the truck. The guys had hit the floor, and they would start selling that stuff immediately that they would try, you know, 30 minutes before. That was what was so great about Tommy's was the collective consciousness that everybody wanted to be the greatest in the world. We didn't want to be one of the good shops. And I really felt like there for a long time, nobody could touch us because you got customer service. You got somebody call your grandson on the phone on his seventh birthday and say, happy birthday. How'd the, how'd the ski work out? How'd the board work out? How did the tubes work out? We built our business on lifetime relationships. And, and Matt and the guys now, I mean, look, we're at Wesley's dock right now. This and, Wesley, and Wesley is a, Wesley one of the Powers, of, of He's a Tommy's big shot boat salesman, Tommy's Florida, Claremont. He knows everybody on this lake. I mean, this is his buddy's boat we're sitting here looking at. He just let him park it here for a few days because that's the kind of people they are. And they keep that mission going. And that's why I was so glad that Matt bought the store because he wants to be the greatest at it as well. And and that's Matt Borish. That, Matt Borish, that the new owners. About. So yeah. before before we talk a little bit more on on the new owners over there, do you want to ask you after 32 years of owning the store? Um, I'm guessing for the eight to ten years prior to owning that store, you were involved in the sport. You cared about the sport very mm -hmm. much. Um, what led to you deciding it was time to, um, be, I, I mean, in essence, hang it up? Well, um, I had some health issues, and the model was changing. When some of the parent companies came in and bought Malibu away from Bob, Bob Alkema was just like Herb O'Brien with Malibu. I'd sit at the campfire, and I'd go, Bob, dude, the armrest on the XYZ is completely whacked. He goes, Tommy, hang on a second. He'd go get a napkin and a pencil and tell me, where do you want it? And it's in, it's in production the next day. I go there. And so I kind of felt like that got lost in the old days. And I would give input, and it would go in one ear and one out the other ear. Uh, things had changed with Hyperlite, you know. Uh, Herb had moved on to Ronix, which I was very loyal to. That caused problems with Hyperlite. So I was constantly under pressure. You got to grow. 
you got to grow the business. We need a new showroom. Hey, I spent $2.5 million on a new showroom out of my pocket. I would be sitting really good right now if I had that $2.5 million at the bank. But it was more boats, more boats. you got to do more. you got to do more. you got to do more Hyperlite. you got to do more Ronex. The pressure of growth was incredible. And in Colorado, we have drought and we have fires. And for instance, we had after 9-11, uh, before 9-11, let me say, I was sitting pretty. I had $1.1 million in my personal bank account. I am in fat city. I'm going to make a bunch of money. Boom, the towers come down. A year later, I had $9,000 left. I had to spend all that money to pretend we were okay. That was incredible pressure knowing, man, my name's on this building. Mm -hmm. My family's dependent on me. CJ wants another $600 billion, you know, in sales. Everybody wants another $600 billion. I am working 90 hours a week. I am out on the water. There's nothing else I can do. Right. And I would present to them, and I'd say, this is my yearly plan. This is every week, every promotion, every window display, every employee training. I said, "There's that's what I can do. I can't do it. Well... If you can't open, uh, you know, you can't up your numbers a little bit more, we're going to open the guy up 60 miles north. And they would do that. The guy would go down in two years. I mean, unfortunately, though, I mean, it, it you've got your personal relationships mm -hmm. and the business relationships. And a lot of times I know that even in our sport, they, they mix. But, man, it, it comes to the time when it's that, that it just makes it it makes it difficult. Right. Bingo. And the pressure was too much, buddy. I'll, I'll tell you straight up, man, my, my health was going south. I got so locked up with the pressure one time I couldn't even answer a sentence. So, I mean, you're, I mean basically, these goals that are being set for you, uh, don't get me wrong, they're achievable, but it just sounds like at a certain point you didn't have the manpower to, uh, and, and maybe even, you know, inside you know what i mean it's, well it's i'm going to correct much. you they weren't achievable because i already laid a hundred percent out i never gave less than a hundred percent nobody that worked for me gave a hundred percent i would circle them up because i, I was a kind of leadership that if i didn't know something i'd say okay somebody in here's got an answer let's come up with a solution there was no solution to that we had sold everything we did everything we could we only had so much line of credit mm -hmm. and the way that works is once April 1st comes along, weather's still bad in Colorado, you got 50 boats in sale, in stock, you write a $60,000 check to the bank. May, you got 30 of them left, you write a 30,000. Then at the end of the year, you go, man, I did all those shows, I did all that stuff, and I made so little money, and they want more again next year. They're not happy. They want to open Grand Junction. They want to, and sure enough, I said, I can put it in an envelope what's going to happen. Yeah. I said, there ain't any way that guy can survive on 10 or 12 boats. I said, I, you know, look what I'm doing. And they would buy 10 or 12 boats, and they'd sell them all on my side of the mountain for, for cost right. and bloody my nose. So... After a while, I kept looking, and I kept praying for the right person to come along. And, you know, and Nautique was supposed to buy my business. Bill Jurgen flew out. 
He lands, because we had a great plan together. Bill and I get along really good. We had a great plan. We're going to fix everything that's wrong with Tommy's, which is just a little bit. We're going to make this the greatest store in the world, and then this will become the model for all the Craft dealerships. Everybody will go there just like Tommy's Development School in West Palm where all the dealers came there and they learned all the tricks. It's going to be the same thing. Bill lands at the airport, gets a call from home, and it's an emergency because, Tommy, you're not going to believe this. I'm sitting here by the plane on the runway. i got to turn around and go back. You go, i got a bad family emergency. Next week, Matt flies in. He's, uh, he's there with a, and a whole pile of people there were to buy my store that day. And I went to lunch with Matt and his father, who I love and look up to, uh, and another guy we call Sharky. And it was just chemistry. And we all got along, and they came and looked at my dealership, and they were pretty hot on it. And I said, man, I'm sorry, guys. I've got to, got to show it to these other four groups. I show it, and while I'm showing it, I'm going, God, I don't want to sell it. I want to sell it to Matt. And finally, I kind of short-circuit the last guy, Dano, and I get him off the, off the lot, and I call Matt up, and they're on the way to the airport. I go, where are you guys? And they go, well, we're on ice. I said, pull off. I know a Mexican restaurant there. And I flew over there. He got a napkin out, and he wrote down everything that we were going to do. He goes, Tommy, I arrive at 922. I ought to be able to have this in your inbox tonight, letter of intent, at 10 o'clock on the dot. And I said, Matt, if you're telling me the truth, and it goes off, I'll sell you the store. I'm sitting there, 9.58, 9.59, 10, I'm getting anxious. I'm getting real anxious, about 30 seconds past. Bing, there it comes. Everything like I had, man. Finally found somebody with a collective vision like I had, but a lot smarter than me. So we're talking about Matt Borish. Yes. Okay, now, so I, I think that kind of talks a little bit about um, why, why you believed Matt was going to be the right person uh, mm -hmm. to take your tradition and your visions and keep moving forward with it. Um, when you found out that, that Tommy's, because out of the gate, okay, I was actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I was at the Colorado Grand Regrand. Yeah, the opening. grand opening. Okay, yeah. we did yeah, the you called man. the events yep. outside. Right. Yep, so we did, we, I was there, and was that that was that your was that your already location? Because I remember it was, no, that wasn't. So no. he had opened up a new location, yes. revamped it. Right. Same thing down in Florida. Right. Okay. Out right. of the gates. Then all of a sudden, you've got uh, uh, two locations in Michigan opening up. So how does it feel seeing multiple Tommies opening? Well, I it I I feel very proud. I feel very proud of my effort for founding it, spearheading it, and creating the snowball, but I feel even more proud of Matt and his team because they are incredible problem solvers. They work in a group very synergistically, the same way that I was used to it, and I was privileged to go to many of those meetings while I was still a consultant for Tommy's. I just loved the way they looked at everything, and nothing was a problem they couldn't find a solution for. Yeah, but you're talking high level. You're talking the executive oh, yeah. team. You're talking about the guys who are hanging out in the, sh uh, you know, up there near Detroit. Okay. Right. L tell me a little bit um, uh, about the other 
um, people at Tommy's. You know, I would call them the the lifeline to the shop, the people mm -hmm. that bleed the brand all day in the stores, the faces that you see when you walk in the door here in Claremont or mm -hmm. in Michigan or in Colorado. Um, the staff, because mm -hmm. I know you staff was a huge thing to you. You were going out and skiing. It's with the them whole in the thing. Uh, the, your your guys is. Uh, the lifestyle that you guys led, I personally see a lot, you know, I follow a lot of the employees from Tommy's. I follow a lot of the employees from multiple shops around the country. You know what I mean? I've just, right. my relationships. Right. Um, but I see these guys, these guys hang together. They ride together. They ride together. They're family. They're family. Um, I saw the way that they treat you when, when I've seen you mm -hmm. in, in Colorado, when I've seen you here at the, mm -hmm. the Florida shop, you know. Um, I, see, I see the way that they react. Talk a little bit on that. Well, all through the years, I was gifted with the greatest employees that could ever walk through the door. And I made a habit of hiring customers because they were passionate. And they'd come in, and, and I'd see somebody, and I'd say, uh, I, my first cash register I ever bought was a cool little computer system. And this lady, Peggy Stelmakowitz, came in and sold it to me. And I said, man, she's, a, she's dynamite. So I hired Peggy because she could run the computer and do all that stuff. I had her and I had the machine and I had everything. And I hired all these incredible guys, you know, through the years. And having people that were passionately involved in becoming the best of the best is what churned me. When I had somebody come to me, and they had these ideas, whether it was Peggy or Daryl or Danny or Bob. I had so many of them. Dave, I had a mechanic that was smarter than anybody that worked at the boat companies, solved everything. That was incredible. And, and you know, like you mentioned, the Florida store, and I'll just pick on them a little bit. I call Gina all the time. I can call Gina and say, hey, Gina, you know, so-and-so's doing this thing at Wakeboarding Hall of Fame. You're going to be there. Why don't you come by and get a little footage? I can call Wesley anytime. Even though I'm in Arkansas, somebody mentions buying a Malibu, guess who I call every time? I call Wesley because I know they're going to get called back. The guy knows. He can tell you the molecular structure of the lift ring in the front. He knows everything. He's going to learn everybody in the family's name. He's going to take them all out and teach them how to wake surf. And they're going to leave, and they're going to be on cloud nine. So Matt has that gift of identifying people. Their passion is so deep that he hires these people, and they go out and create the stoke. That stoke creates a vacuum. That vacuum creates this giant vortex of all these families coming together. You know, I mean, this guy, where else could he go and get his dock boat put in here while his cover's being fixed or whatever reason it's in here? That is what they've, they've brought forward. I'll go down to the shop later and I'll see Kenny, the general manager. It'd be like, you know, I'm best friends with him. The guys in the service department, I've only met them briefly, but it's the same thing. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's in it. The guys in the service department are going to come introduce customers to me. Wes is the same way. You don't just go in there and meet a salesman. You meet the family. Yeah, it's a, a class act for sure. Let me ask you, though, about the transition. When it was time for you to mm -hmm. hand over the keys to the shop, was it 
hey, bittersweet. I, I, obviously, I, I can I can imagine the emotions were, were heavy and high, but here's what I've got to ask you, Tommy. Was it here we signed the papers, I'm Tommy, you're Matt, blah, 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 thank you, wham, bam, thank you, we are all said and done, and here's the keys, see you later, or were you a part of that transition, and obviously, I feel like I, I kind of have an idea, but like, 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 I want you to kind of touch on that, but even going further and beyond that, I mean, look, we are here today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was uh, very blessed because Matt and his whole team, they interviewed everybody that worked for me, and everybody had a chance to stab me hard, you know, and twist the knife, but they were supportive. And Matt came to me and he said, hey, Tommy, all your employees and my dad and me and, you know, every, we, we want you to stay on, man, and be part of the, the team. And I'm going, well, guys, you know, I want some time off, you know. And he said, hey, you can work two hours a month. You can work 10 hours a month. It doesn't matter. We want your ideas. We want your creativity. So when they opened Michigan, Matt flew me up there. I met all the employees. First thing I did was a sales meeting on remembering names. I taught them how to do that. And they allowed me to be part of that creative process. And that made me feel really good, Daniel, because it wasn't just me giving the keys to, uh, to Dick's Sporting Goods and, and walking off. It was me giving the keys to a family that had been water skiing their whole entire life. So while it was bittersweet, it was more sweet than bitter. You know, and just a few years ago, after the grand opening here, that was my last last time really working for the store. Now, if if I call up uh, and I see something, I think there's an opportunity. They welcome it. We have a beautiful relationship, and I think that's what gives me the peace and makes the bitter so little and the sweet so big. That's so great to hear. Hey, hey, quick break, you all, because I know keeping your boat beautiful and functional for years to come is so important, but sometimes you don't want to keep your boat out of the water, but above it, and that's why when you want the best, you should choose Basta Boat Lifts, who also happen to be our newest sponsor right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Basta Boat Lifts are beautifully styled steel and lightweight aluminum, which means they're easy to relocate and adjust, perfect for lakes or waterways with fluctuating water levels and locations where the lifts need to be moved seasonally, like where I grew up, up in uh, the north around Illinois in the Wisconsin border. Basta makes some of the most stylish lifts in the industry that are tasteful addition to your dock, and Basta offers the thickest rubber bunks in the industry on their aluminum line. That means caressing support on every inch of your boat's running surface. Basta boat lifts have the best warranty in manufacturing. I mean, they're built by hand in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. That's right here in the United States. And the warranty, it covers 16 years of structural and offered for both their aluminum and steel boat lifts. The reason I know Basta has a dedicated staff, though, is because they walked me through the process picking out the lift that fit my waterway, my boat, and my conditions the best. My Basta boat lift arrives next month, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. 
You can tell the team at Basta is dedicated to build the best boat lifts the industry has to offer. Check them out, guys. BastaBoatLifts.com. That's B-A-S-T-A BoatLifts.com. All right, let's get back to Tommy Phillips. Tom, I got to ask you about some of the recent news that um, that came out. Um, it was announced that Tommy's has bought Boulder Boats out <laughs> on the West Coast and is now adding three new locations. Now, Boulder's mm-hmm. been a great supporter of this podcast for many, many years. Incredible dealerships. Um, and uh, Christina and Stuart, uh, Dan Lee and Neil Wahlberg have been on this podcast. You know, uh, I think the two only sales guys I've ever done four yeah. interviews with. It was great. Um, those guys do some amazing stuff uh, in the in the world of towed water sports and boat sales and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, when when you moved on, it went, I mean, Florida, Colorado, and then Michigan opened up. And now here we are. Tommy's is on the, the West Coast. How does that make you feel seeing your name expanding, broadening, broadening out, and now Tommy's is available from the East to the West? Well, the fact that they partnered with, in my opinion, one of the best dealerships in the world, it's, it's like getting Mickey Mantle and, you know, Roger Maris on your team, Whitey Ford coming over to the Dodgers, you know, or having uh, the best 10 players on the NFL join your Super Bowl team. It, it just blew my mind. And Matt was teasing me, texting me, you know, the whole time. And then he finally let me know what was going on. It gave me an incredible sense of pride because the mission was to be the best in the world. Not to be the biggest, but to be the best. So now he's got the other guys that are the best in the world. And can you imagine the synergy they're going to come up with? with all Because this new guy, Mason, from Tommy's, that's kind of carrying the torch from Matt, he is brilliant. You got Wesley, you got Dave, you got Gene, you got all these incredible people. You got Rule in Denver. You put all those minds together, and if somebody can take all of that and push that in the straight line collectively, watch out. I am incredibly proud of it. Well, absolutely. Something else that you are really proud of, and, you know, with your time at Tommy's, you know, winding down a little bit, that that opened up a little bit of time for you uh, to, to get into something that you were super passionate about, something that was really needed in our sport in general. I'm talking about wakeboarding hall of fame and before we jump in to wakeboarding hall of fame so let's rewind pre-pandemic so i'm talking february 2020 and we're going to rewind even a little bit more because we're going to go to the surf expo 2019 which was canceled right oh that hurt and year after year at least for the past five or six seven years or whatever it is now we have traditionally done the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame induction ceremony mm-hmm. at uh, the, the Alliance Surf Expo, booth. at yeah. the Alliance Wake booth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the expo got canceled in 2017. We were still able to make it. We, mm-hmm. we got our ceremony done literally right. minutes before the expo shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, but fast forward 2019, we were shut down, and, 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 and Wake Awards were shut down. There was no place... Uh, there was no place for um, Wakeboarding Hall of Fame to happen. Right. Um, you guys got together with the WSIA, Water Sports Industry Association, and every year there's an industry mm-hmm. summit. that brings Right, summit in the yeah. snow. 
and that brings together all the uh, you know top executives and representatives and athletes and, and industry people. We leave our badges at the door, and we discuss furthering the sport, the industry, all growing, together, all together. Uh, we were lucky enough to do the induction ceremony for for 2019 there at Summit. It was super exciting. Uh, you know Thomas Harrell yes. um, is is and I is the first name that comes to mind that was inducted. I I I'm drawing a blank on, on everybody else that was right. uh, um, you know inducted that day, but um, it came as a surprise. And the um, the the guys behind Wakeboarding Hall of Fame, who you're, you're going to touch on a little bit. Um, kind of went behind your back, tricked and me. tricked you, and inducted you with a uh, lifetime achievement award. So congratulations <laughs> on that, first of all. Right. Thank and, you. Yep. And and how did that feel for you, man? Because I look at and sorry to cut you off here, but I, I just look at it like <laughs> you're you're like me. It's not about the titles. It's not about winning awards. It's about facilitating others for the betterment of the sport. Me being, you know, I was against it. Um, I didn't want to be inducted. Uh, they had tried to put me up before, but I go, guys, I'm the founder of this. I'm already in the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame as the founder. Don't put me in. That is going to, you know, I told them it's going to lower the standards. <laughs> Don't put me in, man. Put somebody else in. So I fought it. I told them I was ineligible. But, you know, they got behind my back and they did it anyway. And, and I was so humbled and so pleased. Um, I did not talk. I'd already been up there talking about the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame for 10 minutes. You know, I was the featured speaker up there. So I just went and said, thank you. This is for everybody else. But it was, it was a big moment. And now that it's over, I am very glad and very proud to be in the um, – and the entity that I helped found in the beginning. The Wakeboarding Hall of Fame was really necessary, brother. Well, I want to, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into now. And as we come to kind of some of the closing subjects of the podcast, I really yes. wanted to, t to touch on the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame. It's so important. Um, it was a long time due. Uh, I don't think you guys waited too long to, to start it. I think it, it came out at the, the perfect time. Um, but what I want to get from you is basically all of the information about Wakeboarding Hall of Fame. First of all, why? Then I want to know how it ticks, who's behind it, how it's funded, mm -hmm. what, uh, what's the reasoning, what's next, what's, what's happening, how can people get involved and mm -hmm. support, and why is this such an important thing to, um, to come along and be a part of our industry, and why are you guys the, or the people behind it the right people to be doing it? Well, I'll tell you straight up, it, it was the 25th anniversary of WWA, and I'd gotten a, an email, and there was, you know, a bunch of announcements in there, and I started thinking, and I went, man, here we are 25 years later. In my opinion, Herb O'Brien got a very rotten deal from the other Hall of Fame. We pushed like mad, and all they gave him was the award of distinction. You know, Mike Murphy hadn't put in there. They had never mentioned a wakeboarder. You know, I mean, they, they had just flat dropped the ball, and the history of the sport was a mess. And since I was there from the very day one, I knew all those old guys. And I, I went on that day, 
that I saw the 25th for WWA, and I was so proud of Shannon, you know, for everything he's done Shannon for that. Starling, Shannon of Starling, a hero of mine, and Corey that's worked with him side by side. I was so proud of him. I started digging into wakeboarding history, and I started pulling articles up on Google. All of them were wrong. None of them were even close to being right. And I'm going, man, they don't, they don't even know who Eric Perez is. They don't know who Lance Brug is. They don't know any of these early, early guys. They don't know about the 1990 contest, the 1991, the 1992, the Dirty Dozen. There is no all. The first about eight years of wakeboarding was completely lost and forgotten. And I thought the only way this is going to get fixed is if I get off my tail and start making some calls. So I called Jim Emmons first. Jim, this is what I'm thinking. I went on Facebook. I've got Wakeboarding Hall of Fame. I've got a page. What do you think? You had, oh, man, it's way overdue, Tommy. I called Jimmy. I called Greg Nelson. I called Pat McElhenney. I called Jason Buffalo. I called Jeff here. I called Shannon Starling. I called Dana Preble. I called all these people that were around from the beginning, and I said, what do you guys think? Is the story getting told? Oh, man, it's a mess. I have the politics, blah, 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 blah. You know, water skiers are never going to get us our due. And don't get me wrong, especially Carol Lowe and all those early uh, water ski Hall of Fame folks, they're gods to me. I love them. I look up to them. But I am not qualified to talk about what Dick Pope did because I wasn't there. You know, I mean, I've read a lot about it. And I think Carol and Dick Pope and Gary Warren and all those people are the ones that should tell that story. And I knew that it had, the story had to come from the first people in my commitment because I knew I would be good for about the first seven or eight years. I could pull those people's stories in that had been forgotten, never even heard of, never in a magazine. I could get all that out and we could get it preserved and then I would pass it on. And that's exactly what I did. Once we got our early version, I go, Mike Weddington, you're world champion 1995. You know this next group, even though I know them all, you know them better. You were at every event. I was at one out of four. So this entity was to preserve the history and honor the pioneers, and it wasn't being done. I'm still at odds with the other Hall of Fame over this, and I think that they should drop the wake sports part of it, or a suggestion I gave Larry the other day in a text, and I'm only speaking for myself. Nobody else in Wakeboarding Hall of Fame has, has been asked this other than a short conversation with Jimmy, but I think they should take our inductees that we vet with 100 people from the industry, and they should go, hey, we're going to take these two guys this year. And we're going to bring them to the Water Ski Hall of Fame, and we're going to put the Miss America tape around. Well, I think you've already seen a little bit of, of that starting to happen, you know, with, with Parks Bonifay, and they had so much success when they inducted Parks a, a few years ago, and right. I think Zane was, was last that they just did. And uh, I, I think that, no doubt, Wakeboarding Hall of Fame definitely made some, some noise, and no pun intended, but some major waves throughout mm -hmm. the industry. 
Um, so Well, yeah, but, Daniel, I'm going to argue back with you. They, they recognize them, but that's all they do is put a ribbon around right. their shoulder. Can, can any one of them tell me? When, when Parks won his first event, can anybody tell them the stories when Parks would show up and borrow somebody's board? How about the Indian rope? How about the guys riding? They don't know any of that. I wish they would leave it all to us. And, and we go, guys, we'll lock arms with you, and we'll show you the guys we vetted. Because they could have got Parks through us, right. right? They could get Murray through us. They could get Zane through us. But what they're doing is they're diluting and confusing the world out there by them bringing Wick in. Well, which which Hall of Fame are you getting inducted into? Right. And I think there should be one wakeboarding Hall of Fame arm in arm with the Water Ski Hall of Fame. Let us do our job and honor the people we choose. And we'll help you guys. If we're helping each other, it would be better. But there's great division amongst our board and those guys and they remember the vacuum cleaner shirts and they remember the meetings where we begged them to be active with us and they laughed at us so even though i i can forget anything i'm just looking moving forward what's best for the overall sport but it would take quite a bit to move us forward but the wakeboarding hall of fame in my opinion We've had over 600 clips put out there. We've got dozens of interviews. We're hooked up with vintage wakeboards right now, and I, I believe what Robert's doing is the greatest historical thing on the actual artifacts. Every single board, every rider, how they were developed, the stories that are coming oh, yeah. together. And, when you're, he, and, and Tommy, you're talking about Robert Absher right now yes. on Facebook. His, his page is called... Uh, vintage wakeboards. Mm -hmm. I was I meant to wear his hat today. He was just in Orlando. I'm yes. so bummed. I, I missed him. Um, but I I plan on having him on the podcast because I'm a collector of of water skis and wakeboards myself. Mm -hmm. But he has taken it to a whole new. He's doing on what steroids. the wakeboarding Hall of Fame is doing, but for wakeboards, not the wakeboarders. Right. He's about the equipment part. And, and what a great he's, history there, too. What he is doing, the historical preservation was exactly a huge, giant part of our initial group's goals. And by bringing Robert into the Hall of Fame with us and having him handle that, see how it works? He's got his own deal. Right. Is this is what I want to do with the other Hall of Fame. Again, I'm speaking for myself, but support him give him money send him product every time i dig up an old prototype i box it up it goes to robert he's got scurfer prototypes let the people do what they do best instead of trying to do all things for everybody and coming up short when you cannot recognize a herb o'brien and you can't give him a gold medal you need to take a Big look inward. And I said that right in front of those guys the first year we were at the Summit in the Snow. And we tried to merge with them. And uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Well, Tommy, so still on the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame, you know, some of the stuff that you're describing and talking about, you know, you just mentioned money, dollars, um, and, you know, induction ceremonies. That, that's not free. Um, people's time, you know, the history uh, at this point, the people who are putting this history together, you know, this stuff could potentially cost money. It has how, cost. How it, it, it has cost money. How is the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame funded? 
um, you know, uh, maybe on the outside, what what do some of these funds, you know, that that people can actually fully see what some of these funds go to? What are the ideas for these funds? How can people support and get funds to you? Well, on our website, there is an area you can go and donate. But I can tell you up to now, it's been the guys, the board of directors. When there's trophies got to be bought, we don't go beat up Hyperlite for the trophies. And we did that for a reason. We're at the point now where we're ready to start asking. And we have asked a little bit, and Hyperlite gave us a little money, and Liquid Force gave us a little money, and Matt Borish of Tommy's gave us a little money. But the bulk of it has come from Jim Emmons and Shannon Best and everybody on our, hey, we need $111 a piece because we felt before we go out and beat up the public, we better walk the walk, talk the talk, show them that we're for real. So we funded it out of our own pockets. And I think that says a lot. And it hurts us greatly that these manufacturers are confused about the Hall of Fame, and yet they're sending thousands over to the other Hall of Fame, and we're getting none of that money. We're ready to start asking it. We're going, hey, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for wakeboarding. There wouldn't be any expo. There wouldn't be all these surf boats if it wasn't for wakeboarding, wake surfing. So, hey, how about a little love our way? What would the money be used for? Administration. We need a full-time web person. We need full-time accountant or, or at least a paid accountant. Right now, you know, we do it ourselves. We do everything ourselves. This organization will record history like no organization has ever recorded it. And that portion of the sport, we want it preserved for eternity. So it's going to take some help. Any thoughts on an actual like brick-and-mortar wakeboarding Hall of Fame, a place for people to go and see the history? Well, yes. We thought we would have had that a long time ago. But I tell you, when the pandemic came along, we went, yes. Now we don't have a building that we're paying $4,000 a month that we really wanted because it would have driven us bankrupt as hard as it is for us to get money. But, yes, we want a brick-and-mortar. Yes, and we think we want it here in Florida. We want it around the Orlando area. You know, I'm a little selfish, and I'd love to have it in Colorado where the sport was born, in my opinion. But we have to do what's right for the sport. Kobe's got a lake over there. I'd love to see a building built there. But a building built in Florida, can you imagine what that's going to cost us? Yep. So we need Gator's dad or somebody here that's, uh, you know, Tara's husband or somebody that makes a lot of money step up and build the, uh, you know, <laughs> the Lutkert Wakeboarding Hall of Fame building, whatever it is there. But yes, because where are these artifacts going to be housed? Exactly. Well, again, give us that, um, that place where people can go and uh, donate or get involved with Wakeboarding Hall of Fame www.wakeboardinghalloffame.com wakeboardinghalloffame.com it's a great page and your donations are appreciated and they every penny of it will go to the cause there's no administration fee we're all doing it for free we're paying for the privilege so every penny will be used properly one day we hope though right yeah <laughs> we'll get there Tommy I want to ask you here as we close this thing out, 
if you had to summarize your professional career along with all of your contributions, your experiences, uh, anything um, that truly stands out um, that you could maybe say, this is the proudest moment I have attached to Toad Water Sports, my career, anything involved. I don't think there's a single proudest moment. I think the th single most incredible thing is I've told you a handful of the stories is the series of miracles that kept happening, happening to make this possible. From my first building to Norm Speak taking me to the Mastercraft meeting with 48 hours notice to Herb and I riding up the lift together with the Hyperlight conversation. I mean, there was to the, you know, conversation at the Florida store painting the guy's sidewalk, you know, to, to get him to rent me the place. It was all of these divine intervention happenings and they're usually something bad happened before them. You know, I'm on my heels going, oh, man, I can't believe that this happened. I can't believe that. But every time a greater opportunity would come around and bless me, and I think the collection of all those opportunities shows me that this store is more than Tommy Phillips. It's all the employees and all of us, and it's you, and it's Alliance, and Wetboarding Magazine, and all the boat manufacturers. We love this blue mine connection that we have, and I think that's the miracle behind it. What makes me the proudest is that we've all got to live this incredible life. Tommy, the sponsors, the social, the shout-outs, anybody that you'd uh, like to thank or talk about here as we, as we close it all out? Well, of course, my, my family, uh, the Heavenly Father, who makes everything possible, uh, especially Herb and Paul O'Brien, Pam O'Brien, uh, Eddie Roberts and his family, uh, Giff Cutler from O'Neill, uh, Norm Speak and his family, uh, Larry Medock for his leadership, Paul Singer, you know, all the guys from Mastercraft, Malibu, uh, some of the Centurion guys that are out there now, man, I love that family. Um, Jimmy Redman, uh, Shannon Starling, you know, Dana Preble. There's so many people that helped me. Darren Shapiro. So, I mean, as I said, the list could, there's not three, there's 300 of them. But I am in debt eternally to those people because they believed in me and they got caught up in the stoke with us. So they weren't just acquaintances, they were part of the magic. And when you take the magic and you multiply it, I'm so grateful for that multiplication factor that they all gave me. The employees, I mean, they stood beside me through thick and thin. And, and last but not least is Matt Borish and the entire family of Tommies. You know, Dave Lewis and Wesley and Gina, and I can go on and on, rule the guys from... from uh, Denver and Carly, on and on and on. So many of them, man. It's just, it's been a great ride, Dano, and I'm incredibly blessed. And thank you, young man, for having me out here and letting me talk for hours. Hey, hey, it's, uh, it, it's my pleasure, but even more of a pleasure to have you here with me. Um, it's been almost a year since you and I got to see each other face to face. The world is a, yeah. a different place now. Yeah. Um, but hey, 
At least we got yo-yos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we got our got sun. <laughs> we can go out and be in the sun and be away from the COVID. And, uh, you know, I think that's why the boating industry exploded last year. Everybody just said, let's go to the lake, man. We can't go to work. We'll work from home. The kids will go to school. And, hey, let's go get a set real quick, man. That's it, man. That's, get, <laughs> that's the dream, you know. Get a set, then go back to work and get another set, go back to work, man. So, you know, we've taken the worst of this pandemic and turned it into the best i'm proud of the industry for that absolutely well a true living legend uh an icon a facilitator uh wakeboarding hall of famer um a guy who has helped make many of our heroes who they are today uh tommy one last time i want to thank you so much tommy phillips uh, i appreciate you what you have contributed to the sport and uh thank you danny and uh, once again, for being right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. You bet. Well, thank you, and you're welcome, and God bless. Hey, guys, with summer coming up just around the corner, remember when you're out on your favorite waterways to respect all waters and communities surrounding, especially lakefront homeowners. A few easy ways to show respect is to remember to keep all litter, garbage, and trash in the boat. If you see some floating debris, will be a pal and pull it out and properly dispose of it when it's appropriate. If you have a boat with tower speakers, keep your music at respectful levels. Be aware of surroundings because sound travels pretty well over water. Staying 200 feet away from shorelines and minimizing repetitive passes over any one shoreline, no matter what you're doing, is best practice. More info is available and I recommend checking it out at wakeresponsibly.com. Roswell Marine is found in some of the industry's top manufacturers in not just towed water sports, but pleasure boating as well. Roswell has an all-encompassing love for the lake life in general. Roswell is standard or upgradable options on Nautique boats, Centurion Supreme boats, Moomba boats, Cobalt boats, and Bennington pontoons. So make sure to check with your local dealer or if you need to bring your later model boats back to life with a new Roswell tower, some board racks, tower and in-boat speakers, and the power behind it all, check out roswellmarine.com online now. Upgrade your good times on the water. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Well, there is my friends. Thank you. And Tommy, thank you. And Tommy's, thank you. And more specifically, Dave Lewis and Wes and Gina from the Claremont, Florida Tommy's location. Thank you for hosting this all. In addition to the audio version of this two-part interview, uh, please check out Tommy's on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Well, Tommy's Boats, there's social media across the board Tommy Phillips and I also recorded a good handful of these fun short little videos and they have already been dropping and they will continue to be dropping throughout the year. Hey, if you're local to any one of the half dozen Tommy's locations now nationwide, stop in and say hello. Just like Tommy Phillips, these stores all have character. They're so unique. When you're in a Tommy's location, you talk to the different people working there, but you can feel their connection to the sport and to the shop. You can sense the passion when someone genuinely likes working somewhere, 
And usually that's a good sign to shop there. And I think that's the feeling you get when you're at a Tommy's location. Okay, well, it's been awesome, folks. It, watch out for episode 153 coming soon. I've already recorded that with Robert Absher of Vintage Wakeboards on Facebook. Uh, he is a product historian. He is the product historian for the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame. And he actually invited me up to his personal vintage wakeboard museum up in North Carolina um, after he gave me an incredible tour of his collection, it was so cool with boards spanning all the way back to the beginning of wakeboarding, even the scurfers. Uh, I interviewed him. I uh, can't wait for you all to hear that. Plus, we've got some video stuff coming out from that one as well. I do once again want to thank Tommy Phillips. Tommy, you are a true legend. And Tommy's Boats for making these past two episodes happen Along with them, the support continues from throughout our industry. I want to thank SeaDeck Marine Products, Roswell Marine, Basta Boat Lifts, PCM Engines, the WSIA, Midcoast Customs, Wake Responsibly. Behind the scenes on this one, of course, Rich, Jane, Brett, and Arthur. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I am the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again right here on the Golden Mike Podcast.